Good morning, Life Church. I hope you're doing well. You know, last time I was here, you only had one service. Congratulations on growing. This is a great thing to see what God's doing in your midst. And yes, I am very good friends with Pastor Dave Ogren. We live maybe about 40 minutes from each other out there in Washington State and try to get together as often as we can. He's a great guy, and you guys have great pastors here as well. You have, I hope you know you have a great church here. Do you know you have a great church? You have a great church. Yeah. Yeah, so I am really glad to be here. I've been in Wisconsin uh, for one week, solid. I, I flew in last Saturday, and then I'm here until Tuesday morning, and then I head down to Chicago for a week, and then, and then I go home. You know what's interesting? I didn't realize I had relatives in Wisconsin. I mean, I heard rumor. I, I knew there were some relatives in Wisconsin. I didn't know I, they were so close to where I was at. And so I saw some, I saw, uh, some relatives at a funeral in our family of, a few weeks ago, and they said, look, if you're out there, you better go see them because they were pretty hurt last time you, you didn't go see them. I said, okay. Well, is, is it called Middleton? Is that a town or Middletown? Middle, Middleton? I don't know. It's out in the middle of somewhere. Anyhow, uh, I went and saw them this week. I hadn't seen my cousins in 39 years. And we had such a great visit. We had a great, great time. And when I left there, I called my wife on the way you know, back. And I said, oh, she goes, how did it go? I said, oh, it was so good. I said, I hadn't seen him in 39 years and we laughed and we talked and we had a great time and I said oh man and you've got to see Roger's deer mounts that he has because I I'm really into hunting our family hunts a lot in Washington and my cousin her husband uh they own a farm and they he's got it was just like paradise for me it's just deer on the wall and this turkey mount and then this one special deer mount was a record deer. I mean, it was a huge whitetail. And I said to my wife, you have got to see these. I said, I asked permission to take pictures. I'm going to send you these pictures. They are amazing. My wife said, okay, did you get pictures of them, though? I mean, did you? uh..." (laughs) You know, wives have a way of just pointing things out, you know. And it was so weird because I was driving and she said that and I just paused for a minute and I went, huh. <laughs> you know, I did not get a, I did, she goes, not one picture? No, but you should see that deer. I said, that is, it's, it's amazing. She goes, you mean to tell me you haven't seen them for 39 years and you asked if you could take pictures of dead animals on the wall, but you didn't offer to take one of them? Kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird that that would slip my mind, you know. But it's weird because my cousin is a huge Packers fan, which that's not weird. Packers, I mean, I've seen some Packers jerseys here today and obviously we're in Wisconsin. But my, my cousin wanted to send gifts home for my kids who are all adults there. I have a son that's going to be 25 next month. And my daughter's 22, but she wanted to send a little something home. She's a very hospitable person. So she sends home to my wife, a green Bay Packers scarf, which is great. But my wife's a Seahawk fan. And I don't mean just a Seahawk fan. I mean like a big time Seahawk fan. 
Anyhow, that's going to be a little awkward. But I wondered if it would be okay. Can I just take a picture or two of you? Because I'm trying to make up for this for my wife. And and I think she can't be here. And I think it would be nice if I took a picture of like 100 people uh, versus just four of my cousins. She might, you know, it might make up for it. So if you don't mind, I'd like to just take a shot of you. I, I, um, I'm going to do a little panorama. Here's what we'll do. Act happy. You know what I mean? Like, even if you're not, just put on your best face. And here's the thing. If you don't, if you don't feel comfortable being in my picture, um, just close your eyes and bow your head. I will tell everyone you are spiritual. You are very, very spiritual. So, okay. I'm in church. I almost feel like I should have you say Jesus, but it's Wisconsin, so if you want to say cheeses, that's fine, too. You can do what you want. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm going to start. You can even do a wave. You know what I mean? I'll start this side, and I'll go that. That was just practice for those of you that were waving. All right, here we go. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Here we go. All right. Uh-huh. All right. You know, wait, can we start over? This is, look, I need to get a good picture, not, Okay. Will you act happy? Just if, if anything else, just for my wife, please. This will help my marriage. Are you ready? We're going to start on this side. And as I move the phone, that's your cue to be excited, to be happy to be here, to cheer, to wave. On the count of three. One, two, three, Go. You know, I give up. So I have to bring a Packer scarf back to my wife. It's Christmas time. Merry Christmas early. It's Christmas time. Have you ever received a gift from someone that you didn't ask for or want? And then you have to deal with that whole thing. Okay. I was getting ready for bed one night. My wife was already in bed. I go to crawl in the bed. I look, and there's something on my pillow, and I don't know what it is. It's some object. And I said, what's that? She said, it's for you. I said, well, what is it? She said, it's a chin strap. Do you know what a chin strap is? Okay, let me explain. It looks like a headband. But instead of going this way, it goes this way, and it covers your chin, and it straps like Velcro under your chin. And I said, what's it for? She said, it keeps your big mouth shut so you don't snore all night. I said, well, I'm not wearing it. She said, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. So I tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I'll wear it at night while we're asleep if you wear it during the day while we're awake. <laughs> you know what's fun about telling that story is <laughs> most of the men are like, ah, and then they're white. They're, ah, that wasn't funny. That... <laughs> now, I want you to know something. I don't wear that chin strap. I also want you to know that my wife has not heard me snoring since the night we had that conversation. You see, our couch is downstairs, way, way at the far end of the house. She can't really hear anything. 
It's weird. Gifts, you know, gifts. My wife, I usually is a better shopper than, than me. <clears throat> my wife got me, uh, she got me a new Adidas golf shirt. It's a black Adidas golf shirt. I was so excited to wear it. You know, you get a new shirt, new outfit. And the first time I was going to wear this was to a family reunion. And I put this shirt on and we got in the car and I'm going to put my seatbelt on. And there is dog hair all over my shirt. Anyone here, dog owners? Anyone? Okay, we have a German shepherd. And I hate the hair. It's just like there's hair, it seems, everywhere. And so I look down and I'm like, oh, dumb dog. And I'm trying to brush it off. It won't come off. I grabbed it. It was my stomach hair poking through the shirt. <clears throat> It was the grossest thing you've ever seen in your life. I looked like I was trying to smuggle a porcupine into the get-together. I'm like, I, uh, sorry. So I layered for your, view, your viewing pleasure today. I just want you to know that I have a T-shirt on and, and so forth. But We are in a season where gift-giving is the thing. A lot of us have gifts on our mind, what we're going to give, what we're going to receive. There's a new kind of gift giving. You know, I like gift cards. Gift cards are great. They're a great invention. They help both sides, both the gift, the giver and the gift receiver. But they've changed how they do gift cards now. They have, you know, it used to be that you would just buy one that says $25 on it or $50 or whatever it is. Now most gift cards, they have the gift card. And then in the left corner, it says 15 to 100 So you can have your choice, $15 to $100 you could put on this card. I received one last year from a relative that had 15 circled three times. Like they were saying, if I could give you less, I would. But that's as low as this card will go. (laughs) I just want you to know out of everything I could give you, you get 15 Oh, well, thank you very much, right? I started my Christmas shopping recently. I wanted to get that special something for that special someone. So I'm at the dollar store, and I, you know, I'm browsing. I finally find the item that I want, you know, for this person. And I get up in the line, and the cashier is the nicest person you've ever seen, which is normally great, except that I'm in a hurry, And she just wants to talk to everybody. And the gal in front of me is buying 15 of the same items. They were little gift bags. And so the cashier is like, beep, how are you today? Beep, do you have any kids? Beep, do you have grandkids? Beep, what are you doing for Christmas? And then she gets to like the seventh bag and nothing. Hmm. Hmm. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. And she picks it up and she flattens it out and she went Hmm, and I just wanted to lean up and go, I'm pretty sure it's a dollar. (laughs) Is it really that hard? Turn my head, beep, oh, there it goes. How about that? (laughs) So I leave the dollar store. I go, you know what? I'm going to go to a really good place for Christmas shopping. So I go to Costco. Isn't Costco great? I mean, Costco is like, heaven on earth it's just and the thing about Costco that's so neat is you don't even need to know what you want or have a list because you don't know what you want until you get there that's a beautiful thing 
I'll be walking along and be like, you know what? I think I do want a hundred pound bag of beef jerky. You know, I just (laughs) didn't even think about that before I came here. That's great. But buying and receiving gifts kind of consumes us this time of year. It seems like it can be daunting at times because you're looking for that special gift and then you have a gift exchange and then you have that, that uncle or that aunt and then you, all these different things and it can become overwhelming. And the idea of Christmas just becomes this very, instead of a very inspirational, peaceful time, it becomes this very stressful time. And, and I know I sound like a broken record because I know every year we say it all the time. Don't forget what Christmas is all about. Don't forget to take it easy. Don't forget to just relax. But it's there. It's there. It was Christmas time years ago. My son was five. We went to the grocery store and I had to have that father-son discussion before we went in. And it went like this. I turn around and I say to him in the back seat, listen, Brady, we're going in the store because mom gave us a small list of things to get. We are not going to the store to get you candy. We're not going in there to get you snacks. Do not ask because I'm not getting you anything. Do you understand this? I'm not buying you any candy today. Do you get that? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go. Those automatic doors had not even opened all the way. He's like, can I have that? What? Do you have memory loss issues? Do you not realize what I just, you just said you understood. What I, listen, you're not getting candy. We're not here for candy. We're here for mom's list. Okay. Almost every single aisle. Can I, can I have the, can, no. And I'm getting angry. We finally get up to the checkout and some brilliant person decided it would be great to have all the candy at eye level for a five-year-old. And so my son is just, he grabs me, can I, can I have this? And I got mad. I got, look, as parents, we blow it sometimes. I just got mad, and I grew my teeth. I got down, and I'm like, look. So I didn't want everyone to hear, but I definitely wanted him to get the idea, right? I'm like, put back. I said, we're not getting Candy, do you understand me? I am so mad at you right now. Even if you had been good and I had planned to get you candy, I wouldn't get it now. You don't deserve it. Put it back. So he puts it back. Well, he's five. He's very short. He's got blonde hair. He puts his head down, and now he's depressed. And he just starts walking like this. And the checkout counter's here. And he just is walking like, well, this nice grandma lady is coming out of the other. Do you see where this is going? I think you're a lot brighter than first service because I don't think they got it. She's coming out of the aisle and she's heading our way. Well, she's like, and my son like this. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I see what's about to happen. She can't see him because he's so short. He can't see her because he's looking down. She's walking by, and you ever have those moments, it's almost like slow motion, I was like, no, and I'm trying to stop this, prevent it from happening, I'm not in time, bam, she hits him in the side of the head with the cart, he falls over, she's like, oh dear, oh dear, I'm so sorry, and I go down, I go, Brady, are you okay, and he's rubbing his head, oh, then my head hurts, I'm like, ah. 
the manager of the store. He saw it. He comes running over there. He gets on his knees and he grabs my son. He goes, son, are you okay? My son's rubbing his head and the manager looks up. Looks, he jumps up. He goes and gets the largest candy cane full of chocolate candies. It's like bigger than my son. Lays it over my son. Will this help? And my boy with this huge candy cane looks up at me and goes, I was so mad. We got out in the car all the way home. I'm glancing at my rear mirror and he's like, And I was angry, and I was thinking to myself, you don't deserve that. And then it dawned on me, I don't deserve most everything I've ever been given by God. Everything. And isn't it weird how a strange, goofy, silly, frustrating experience like that can make you realize things about your own life? And I just sat there and thought, he didn't deserve it, but I certainly don't deserve what God's given me. And I want, to talk, I want you to just kind of hold on to that for a moment. And I want to walk us through about three or four passages of Scripture. And I want to talk about the things that you've received and the things that you've, God's given you. And so I'd like you to turn your Bible to James. Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James is in the New Testament. James chapter 1, verse 17. James 1, 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming from the Father of heavenly lights. Do you realize that the whole idea of giving, the concept of giving, the power of giving, the idea of it, we get from God? Because he is the greatest giver. He is the first to ever show an example of giving. We see all the way through the Bible, God giving, giving this, giving that. He gives us life. He gives us health. He gives us a home. He gives us provision. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives. I think it's so important for us to remember in the season of giving that we got the idea of giving from God. And because we get the idea of giving, we need to realize that we reflect God when we give. When when you give a, a, a tithe to the church, you are reflecting God's heart. When you give to help a needy person, or the poor, you are, you are being God's hands, God's feet, God's face to those people. You are showing God because this is what God does. God gives. We give of our time. We give of our talents. We give of our finances. We give. We give. We give because God first gave to us. And he is such a good giver. It says every good and perfect gift is from above. I want you to know when God gives, it's always good. 
It's not a chin strap. It's good and it's perfect. And you need to understand something about God's character. What God gives is always good and perfect. You see, God is not out to get you. God is out to love you. God is out to have you. God wants you to experience his goodness. There are people possibly in this room that you're afraid of God. You feel like God is out to get you. You feel like I'm not going to pray God's will in my life because I'll end up in some hut in Africa with mosquitoes and doing all these things and it'll be miserable. And I don't know where you would get the idea that serving God is miserable, that he's out to get you because that's not what scripture shows. Now, there are times, there are times we'll go through tough circumstances. We'll go through tough times. But God uses those things to build into us his character. And God God wants the best for you. He wants what's good for you. And so as he gives, that that is what's in his mind and that is what's coming from him to you. It says it comes down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Do you realize that God remains the same always? That God isn't one way today and tomorrow he's going to be different. You don't have to go to bed tonight worrying that maybe God's not going to like you tomorrow. But see, what happens is we oftentimes will determine in our minds how God views us by our circumstances, by how we view our circumstances. And we almost get to that, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. You can, you can have a promotion or you can get excited. Something great can happen one day and you can go, ah, that is so cool. God loves me. And then the next morning you have a flat tire and you're like, why do you hate me? What have I done? See, here's what we need to understand is all good and perfect gifts come from above. He gives them for your good. He loves you. You cannot allow your circumstances to determine in your mind whether God loves you because his love is steadfast and it never changes. As God never changes, Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. God's love for you never changes. His purposes never change. And so instead of allowing circumstances to determine in your mind whether God likes you or not, use the knowledge of knowing that God loves you to help you get through your circumstances. It's just a mind shift. Now, with this in mind, we need to understand that life changes. Things change. Things are going to change around you. Next year, change is coming. I don't know what it is, but change is coming. We change. Our bodies change. My son, I was drinking a glass of milk one morning, minding my own business, had a white T-shirt on. My son comes walking in the kitchen, like didn't even miss a beat, grabbed my chest, lifted up and said, these belong up here. And I was like, but my body's changing. I turned 48 last January, getting ready for bed. I've got my shirt off. I'm going through Facebook on my phone just as I'm getting ready for bed. I come across a post of a friend of mine who's a professional boxer and weight trainer in New York. He turned 50 the same month I turned 48. He shows a post. He has a picture of himself with his shirt off flexing. And it says under the post what 50 looks like. 
My wife has to walk past me to get to her side of the bed. She stops and she glances and she sees the post. And we didn't plan this, but simultaneously we went from looking at the post down to my stomach. And then we looked at each other and she said, can't wait till you're 50. Things change. Life changes. But God never changes. In all the circumstances in your life that change, God will never change. And that's why we build our life on him, the rock, the one thing in life that will never change. No matter what storms we go through, no matter what we're seeing, no matter what we're hearing on the news, no matter what, we have him to stand on. Now, With that said, I want you to understand, as we're in the Christmas season, he doesn't change. He's a giver, and he gave the greatest gift we could ever receive. And I want you to turn to John 3.16. And I know for some of you, John 3.16 may be a very familiar passage. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited to speak on it today. Because I think sometimes when you grow up in Sunday school, maybe it becomes the first verse you ever memorized or whatever the case is. I think sometimes when John 3.16 is mentioned, we go, oh, yeah, God, for God's love. And we forget the meaning of it. We gloss over it because we've heard it maybe so many times. And, And today, if you're here and this is the first time you've ever heard this, I am really excited. Because this is such a beautiful statement here. John 3.16 says... For God so loved the world that he gave. Let's just pause there. God so loved the world that he gave. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know this morning that God loves you with an everlasting love that does not change? God loves you as much today as he did yesterday and he will tomorrow. See, his love doesn't change. He can love, not love you anymore and he cannot love you any less because it's an eternal love. And if you have been questioning it, if you have been wondering about it, I want you to know I flew from Seattle to tell you God loves you. God loves you. God loves your neighbor. God loves those in prison. God loves the saints. He loves the sinners. God loves Republicans. God loves Democrats. God loves bipartisan. God loves. God loves those who act like you. God loves those who don't act like you. You need to understand that God loved the world. And his giving comes out of his love for the world. His giving is an extension of his love to us. And it says, for God so loved the world. You see, his love didn't save the world. It's what came out of his love that saved the world. You see, there are a lot of people God loves who are not going to spend eternity with him. His love alone did not save people. But what he gave on that very first Christmas is what did. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now what does it mean that he gave his one and only son? Well, there's no one else like Jesus and he's referring to Jesus here. You see, Jesus is the son of God in the sense that he's of the same essence of God, the same makeup of God. He's not created, but he created all things. And he's the son of God. He's referred to in scripture as the son of God and the son of man because he was both God and man. And this is the beauty of this story. God gave his son. 
Because he loved the world. Why did he give a son? Well, it goes on to say that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, a long time before this, way back in this garden that was called the Garden of Eden, there was the first two human beings, Adam and Eve, and the serpent, the devil, the deceiver, he came along and he influenced Eve into questioning God's word. And he showed her this piece of fruit that was very appealing to her. And, and against the will of God, she took that fruit, gave some to her husband, and they ate, and the world has never been the same since. You see, sin came in and it entered the picture and it began to destroy the righteous perfection that God had intended for his creation. And what it did is it brought in death. Their spirits, they were no longer eternal in their sense of they, they died. They were going to have a time of time. Their bodies died eventually. Their spirits experienced death apart from God. They broken relationship from God. And, and what happened is everyone that was born from that time on was born into this sin. That's one thing we all do well. We sin well. If anyone ever says, are you good at anything? You can say, well, I'm pretty good at sinning. You never see classes. You never see sinning 101, how to, because it's part of us. We, we are drawn But instead of God looking at us and saying, okay, I loved you and you didn't love me back. I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to cast you out of my presence for eternity. Instead of that, because of his love, he gave. And he gave the best thing he had. His own son. His only begotten. And the reason that his son had to come down is because There was nothing that could clear the conscience or clear the the sin of humans. You see, in the Old Testament, we see that they had animal sacrifices and they had these things where where people would literally put their hand on the head of a a goat or a lamb and then their throats would be sliced and that blood would pour out and it was, they were transferring their sin onto the head of of this goat and it would temporarily atone for, cover up their sin. But God was saying a day is coming when, the perfect unblemished lamb is going to come and, and that's going to make perfect those who put their faith in him. And see, the reason he had to be a man is because it was men and women who were sinning. It had to be someone that could represent mankind. And yet that same person needed to be able to live out the full righteousness of God and live the standards of God and be perfect on earth because no person had ever been able to do that. So instead of God saying, I cast you all out of my presence, he's saying, I want you so badly that I'm willing to give my son to be the sacrifice for your sin, that he would take your place, that it would be his blood that would be spilled. And so... Jesus comes to the earth in the form of a baby. He was human. He was literally, he was 100% human, but without giving up his deity. He was also 100% God. And see, Mary gave birth to Jesus, and she was a virgin. This is the great, I, I hope this blows your mind. She was a virgin, and she gives birth to the Son of God who is also now referred to as the son of man because he came through a human to enter into this world. Now, 
you imagine what that first night was like. Listen, I don't want to ruin Christmas for you, but that song, Silent Night, I don't think so. I don't think it was silent at all. I think you have a virgin teenager giving birth for the first time, and I think you have God coming into the world with flesh on. I think you have a lot of noise going on. And you got poor Joseph standing there, and man, Mary's like, ah! And the only thing he had going for him, he's like, don't look at me, I had nothing to do. (laughs) That is between you and God, that's... That's all that is. She gives birth. Jesus grows up as a young boy, lives his life. He becomes a young man. He calls some disciples to follow him that he teaches. He begins to show the love of the Father. He begins to teach about the kingdom of God. He begins to teach about eternity. He begins to teach about heaven. And the next thing you know, he's doing miracles and he's doing things people had never seen before. And then all of a sudden, the most loving man this earth has ever seen, the most gracious person is nailed to a cross and his blood is spilled out. Now it says here in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, there's nothing we could do. We couldn't earn our way. We couldn't be good enough. When we couldn't get up to him, He came down to us. And that's the greatest gift we could ever have. You see, let's look at Romans. Let's go to the book of Romans. Go to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans 6, 23. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the result of sin is death. It's eternal death. And it's like, I'm bringing you good news, bad news. You ever do that? Someone comes on, I say, I got some good news, I got some bad news. And we usually want the bad news first because it makes the good news even gooder. And so we, we want, tell me the bad news first. I'm telling you the bad news first. The bad news is this. For the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. You know why? Because we're all sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. We all fall short of God's standards. We all fall short of God's righteousness. That's the bad news. The result of that is death. Not just physical death. Eternal death. Separation from God forever and ever. That's bad news. That's terrible news. The good news? But... But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the gift of God. That's the greatest gift you'll ever receive in your life. That's, I love that Christmas has so much giving and receiving around it because the the very thing, the very person who we center Christmas around was the greatest gift ever offered to us. But some have never unwrapped that gift. Some have never received that gift. Some have never celebrated that gift. Listen, if you're here and you already know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hope the excitement of that gift doesn't go away. How many times you give a gift to a little kid and they're like, cool, what's the next one? You're like, well, wait a minute. Play with that. No, I want the next one. 
Or you go out and you buy an expensive gift and all they want is the box. They're pushing around, you know, playing submarine or whatever in the box. You're like, I could have saved a lot of money by just buying them a box. But some of us, that's exactly how we treat the greatest gift ever. Just give me the box. Just give me, just give me the wrapper. And I want you to know today that God loves you so much that he pursued you. And he's given you the greatest Christmas gift you could ever, ever have. You know, my dad started something years ago when I first became an adult, and he still continues it to this day. And that is, you know, we'll wake up Christmas morning, and there's gifts all around under the tree. And there was always this envelope on the tree, like on one of the limbs, and it had my name on it. My brother had one for him. And he opened it up, and it would say on there, this is good for one dinner out with dad. And you know, the older I get, the more I appreciate that. Because he takes me to restaurants that I usually couldn't afford. He'll take me out to maybe a nice steak dinner or whatever. And it's time with him. It's talking. It's building relationship. It's laughing. It's fellowship. And I've realized that it's not the presence under the tree. It's the one on the tree that means so much to me. And I want you to know that all of our problems started with a tree in the garden. And they ended with a tree. On Calvary. You see, they took two beams, and in scriptures referred to as a tree, they took two beams and they made a cross out of it. And I like to say that one of those beams represents love and the other beam represents justice because justice, the justice of God and the love of God intersected on that cross. In Jesus, it's interesting how red is such a symbolic color of Christmas because Jesus' blood ran red down his indescribable body dripping down the splintery cross and justice in love intersected on there because justice was paid because Jesus represented you and he represented me by dying for our sin, for what we did. He didn't do anything wrong. He did everything right and he died to pay the price for my sin so I don't have to pay that price. And yet that love was expressed like no other time. You see, I want to tell you this today. The greatest Christmas gift you'll receive this year is not one under the tree. It's one that was on the tree. And I want to encourage you today. When it says those who by faith will receive Jesus, you see, Ephesians says it's it's the grace of God that saves us. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's a very simple message today, but I want to wind up by saying this. God misses some of you. Some of you have known him for a long time, but have chosen to just play with the box. And God misses you. But I want you to know he still loves you. And he's calling you back to him today. And then there are some here today, look, I'm smart enough to know that you can grow up in Sunday school, you can grow up in church your entire life, you can listen to really good messages, and you can never make a choice to open that gift. And I want to implore you today, encourage you, don't do another Christmas without opening the real gift 
of God. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? To believe in Jesus, to put faith in him means that you understand that he is your only possible way to heaven. He is your only possible way to have your sin erased. And here's the beauty of it. Jesus came in the form of a baby, and you know why I love that? Because a baby represents something brand new. You know when people say, oh, they just had a new baby. Who has old babies? I mean, that's just dumb. You have new babies, and you get to start all over. And Jesus came in as a baby so that you and I could be born again. It's called born again because you get to start all over. And I want to encourage you this morning. Receive the gift of God through faith, meaning you put your full trust in Jesus Christ in what he did for you on that cross and experience his forgiveness and experience his new life and get to walk that out with him. So today I want to give you an opportunity before I close in prayer. I felt so strongly in my heart coming here today that there are people that God is going to call to himself. Revelation says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It's kind of like my dad's invitation to go out and eat. You see, there's fellowship around that food. What he's saying is, I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want to have fellowship. And this morning, maybe there's a knocking on your heart. There's a knocking on your heart, and you know you need to open that door of your heart for the Lord today. Maybe this is brand new to you. Maybe this is something that you have pondered for weeks, but you have resisted. I want you to know. Receive that gift by faith today and watch what he does. Be born again this morning. Start all over. So today, without even closing our eyes or whatever, I'm going to invite you by responding to that knock on your heart. And I'm going to do that by asking you here in a few moments just to raise your hand. And let me tell you why I do that. I don't do it just to count hands. I don't do that to make you stand out. in front. I do it because of this. Faith is always connected to action. And if you have the faith today that you want to receive Jesus Christ for the very first time, there's something about saying, that is me. I am extending my arm to show my faith that I am choosing to do that today. And there's something that it does in us when we step out like that. So I just want to encourage you this morning. On the count of three, if you're here today and you know that you know for the very first time you need to receive that gift of eternal life by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, or you know it's time to return, I want to ask you to raise your hand. And I'd like to just pray with you. So if that is you today, and you mean it with your heart, on the count of three, let's just show that. One, two, three. Anyone here today, you say, you know what? That is me. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else? You just say that. You are calling my number right now. Yeah. Well, I want you to know, if you've raised your hand, God has pursued you. God will not give up on you. God loves you, and God has great plans for you. So, Father, I pray that this is the greatest Christmas these folks have ever experienced. I pray that right now they experience your hand on them. They experience forgiveness and what it means to know you and to start all over. 
I pray, oh God, that you are glorified in their life, that your spirit would come upon them and live in them. I pray for everyone in this room that, Lord, that just the concept of how much you gave us in Jesus Christ would just be the most exciting thing we've ever heard in our life, that we would leave here filled with praise and wonder that this would be the greatest Christmas ever. We love you. We accept your gift today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Pastor, thank you.